<laughs> I don't ever spend time doing that. <laughs> All right, folks. Are we ready? Uh-huh. Oh, hi. You're listening to Service from Hell, a podcast featuring people that are currently in customer service positions or the lucky few that got out and all of the good, bad, and infinitely irritating things that go along with that work. I'm actor and writer Kate Gaffney and am uniquely qualified to discuss this as I used to work at a very busy and very popular comedy club in Los Angeles. And at least one of you listening right now has probably grabbed me and told me you were ready to order when I was running around like a crazy person. So let's eat. I'd like to welcome our guest, digital marketing educator and expert and owner of Digital Course Hive, Jen Williams. Jen is originally from Nampa, Idaho, but has traveled the entire country way more times than most of us due to the five generations deep family profession that she grew up in that we're going to get into in the next section, and I am bearing the lead. I better know Jen through the small world that is the Hard Rock Cafe and endlessly bothering her with marketing questions all the time via email over and over. That said, Jen, how did you get into marketing? What made you choose LA over Idaho? Tell us. (laughs) Uh, Marketing was a long long time coming. I, I've been in education for almost two decades now. Not and you're only 22. That's crazy. I am. I you look good. St- I yeah, look you do. Good. <laughs> you do. But I've been in education and marketing was just kind of something that it funneled into and then went further down to creating our own platform. And now we help others start, launch their online business their online courses. When you say yeah. online courses, what does that mean? Does that mean like someone who's like a life coach or what is life that coaches, yogis, professional athletes? What are CEOs, you allowed to name drop? Real estate. <laughs> I probably shouldn't. Okay, <laughs> fine. You'll be professional. Right. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, really, it, we've done courses for everything from rabbis to deacons to just everybody there's so there's fun. really no holds barred when it comes to online course if there's something somebody wants to learn you're there there's for always it. somebody there to teach it to them oh that's so cool and then does your company also do the hosting of that or do you do you build the sort of skeleton framework of it uh so we own uh created a platform digital course hive where it's kind of like wordpress wix squarespace where you can build your website you can build your courses you can build your email marketing systems your appointments calendar e-commerce store so anybody can come and use our super intuitive female owned and created platform which there's only a couple of us out there it's insane to think that there's thousands of men in this field and only a couple ladies but um yeah you can start any kind of business and so we wanted to make it affordable we don't believe it should only be for the elite which sometimes that course online course system can feel a little bit elitist we want to make sure everybody was able to plug and play and make money okay online so is that what brought you to L.A. from Idaho? No, I went to college in Vegas. Oh. And then I met my ex-unhusband at a bar. <laughs> <laughs> we weren't technically married, but together for a long time um, at the Nine Fine Irishmen in New York, New York. Oh, get out of here. And he worked with you. He sure did. He sure (laughs) did. And then here I am. (laughs) And here you are. (laughs) Okay. All good life decisions are made in bars in Vegas. I'm just just saying. (laughs) Listen, it got us here today. Cheers, everybody. We're all doing our best. (laughs) Okay. So you, so you met him whilst you were in college. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. And then was he like, hey, BTW, I'm moving to LA after, you know, in a couple years or whatever. Oh, no, he had lived. He was here. 
Oh, he was just he was just there for the weekend. Yeah, he's twelve years older than me. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he was here in it to win it. Okay. And I moved here to be with him. Did you finish college? I did. Good for you, Jen. <laughs> right, right there. It was, it was, <laughs> it was neck it was and neck. It was perfect timing. <laughs> You're like, yes, it's going to be one month, and then I will see you in LA. <laughs> right. Okay. It wasn't a long drive. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So that almost never happens. I, I had a boyfriend out of a Vegas experience, which is, oh, hold for plane. God damn it. I love you, Hollywood, but this fucking hold for plane. I think that was a helicopter. Sure. It's probably finding a criminal who's inches from the front of this apartment. God bless. Yeah. No, I did the boyfriend out of a Vegas experience thing, too. And yeah, one of us should have moved. We didn't. It didn't end well. But so you move here mm-hmm. and then were you already doing was your major in marketing and education? No, not even close. What was it? It was in bio. What? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're a nerd. <laughs> yeah. Oh, get off the podcast. We, we don't have nerds <laughs> on here. That was not my plan. But coming out here, every lab I applied to, it wasn't enough to survive. So I went into working in education. Wait, so you you get hired at these mm-hmm. labs doing some sort of biology mm-hmm. and you couldn't live? Nope. That is so fucking frustrating to hear (laughs) what was it that you were studying or what what, what were the labs doing that you were going to be working for everything from i mean now we are animal testing which that lab's gone now but processing blood work to anything that santa clarita has there's so many great labs out in santa clarita shockingly enough but none of them really did offer more than seven an hour back then i i don't even you had a degree in biology Mm -hmm. and you couldn't make more than the actual federal minimum wage nope how does anybody who works in a lab survive? Do they have, do they moonlight? You just work your way up. Maybe that was just the, it, it's funny. That was the first job outside of, you know, college that I was like, oh, this isn't going to work. I made more working college jobs Jesus. in Vegas, as you probably would. <laughs> we'll get to those later. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, yeah, it, why would I go work that job when I could go make work money. at Express in the mall and make, Jeez double the pay that's so uh, it just seems there's something wrong with that there's yeah. something wrong with there's a lot wrong with that we're not here for that but whatever okay so so you're here for a little while and mm-hmm. then you launched your company in what year so i worked in education long time i got sick of moving because what i ended up doing is i would help develop platforms for online courses for different universities or schools and i got i had I was traveling a lot. There was a point a couple years ago, about four or five years ago. Wait, 2016. That's like five years ago, right? God. Yeah. <laughs> right? So long ago. Weird? And you're like, yeah, that's five years ago. Weird. What? Where my office was in Old Town, Old Town, Oakland. Okay. And so I would 3 a.m., go to LAX, fly to Oakland, get on the BART, go to Old Town, go to meetings, and then come back at night, get home at 930. I have kids. Oh, my God. You know, it just... I got sick of it. So I decided that I was going to stop traveling and I quit cold turkey, said, no, I'm not going to do this anymore. And I found a job locally working uh, for a real estate investment firm. And education is very proper, especially higher education, university education. A lot of red tape, a lot of HR departments, (laughs) (laughs) best staffed HR departments in the world. Um, (laughs) So working, going to work for this, solo owner of this real estate investment firm who was an absolute dirtbag. 
uh, machismo what? jerk. I thought, oh my gosh, this is the real world. This this is it, right? This is God. what everybody's dealing with. Well, <laughs> you may <ain't> wrong. <laughs> right? And uh, I ended up becoming the CEO of that investment firm and worked my way to the top. I hate real estate. I don't, I don't know why I was there. It was down the street from my house. I was like, this makes sense. I like being home. But then it got to the point where I was working all the time. And he, uh, that's where I met Cassie, my current business partner. Okay. She was straight out of college, super intelligent. I still to this day don't think she knows how intelligent she is. <laughs> and um, I hired her on straight out of college. And he was like, no, you can't hire her. She's too young. I was like, she's really talented. Like, if you're gonna if you're gonna bet on horses, let's yeah. let's bet on Cassia. So he let her on. She did a great job, but then she ended up quitting, and then he called me a retard in a meeting in front of a bunch of people. What? Yeah, and I walked out. You walked out that same day. Yeah, good for you. And I went home to my husband, who was like, "Hey, yo, <laughs> <laughs> gotta have that income, though." Right? So what's the plan? I- and I called Cassia, who had left a few months prior for same reasons. I mean, the guy. There were times where laptops would go flying across the office. Oh no, no, no! It no. was he was just that guy, and uh, I called her and I said, "I've got this plan. I'm going to start bringing in people for marketing services and doing what we do." And we had built an online course for him. That's how we kind of dove into this together. And uh, she was like, "Yeah, call me when you need me." And so I called her the following couple of weeks. Hey, I have like five hours of work for you. Are you down? And I think it immediately jumped to 40 hours a week and now we're at 120 hours a week girl (laughs) oh my god no we we're we're easing off now we're at the point where we're lucky enough where things are taking time but um that's just how the company was it wasn't a master plan like it wasn't it just Just kind of pointed us in the right direction sounds like it. we just kept going and kept grinding and coming up with new ideas and trying new systems and building our own systems. And I have to, I don't want to pull the the rug out from under such a great story of you building your business. Cause the business is amazing. How, what was the context of him using the hard R in a meeting about you? Like not that there's never a justified context, but I want to understand what happened. It, it was probably something marketing. <sighs> it, it, the thing about him, it, 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 here's a little more context. Currently he's, been uh the the legal ball is a rolling with the sec (laughs) and the fbi because after i left he stole 18 million dollars from his investors so i'm so sorry he stole 18 18 million dollars from his investors and go ahead you can uh come after me if you want to i don't know if you hear this but (laughs) i mean (laughs) it sounds like the fbi already (laughs) figured it out sue me for everything yeah um (laughs) but yeah he he was just a horrible, violent man. He was like an ex-MMA fighter. And in the meeting, it was all men. and It was a sales meeting, I believe. And he just Zoom glitched or it, it was the little things. It was something that was so insignificant. I couldn't tell you what happened in the meeting. Sure. And then he just used yep. hard R. Yep. Wow. That's so impressive. What's more impressive is that you fucking walked out that same day. Yeah. It's like I'm out. That's so brave. Crazy. Oh, it makes me so mad. Okay. Well, but now you have your business as a result. So like, thanks, (laughs) 
thief for that opportunity. Thief, horrible human. You horrible, horrible And person. I was like, is this what it's like? And Cassie, her first job out of college, I was like, I'm sorry that I put you. I shouldn't have hired you yeah. because I knew he was borderline crazy. You didn't know this, though. I didn't know how far it was going to go because it got worse over the years because he was probably stealing behind everybody's back. I never sure. physically saw the books because that just was something the accountant did. But yeah, he probably... Felt like he was in trouble the whole time. Well, yeah, you're going to say mounting. Yeah, 100 percent. Because you can't that that's not a sustainable level of energy when you're like, Mm -hmm. I am aware that I am be this illegal. Yeah, yeah. like they're hard earned. Oh, that's gross. Well, I'm glad that the FBI is right involved. Good. (laughs) Karma's a bitch. Okay, so L.A. is where you your business is located now. But Uh does that mean you can also because it's a digital course, can you service all over the world? Yeah, our our. We're 100% online. Um, we own Digital Corsair, but we have a couple of other companies, 100% digital as well. And so we can go anywhere. Awesome. Anywhere if we want to go. Now, anywhere. if I don't want to run a course, but I, as an actor, need a website, can you help me with that too? Yeah. Oh, how does that work? Yeah, it's just like Squarespace. Oh, <laughs> so if awesome. you're going to Wix <laughs> and building a site, ours is much more intuitive, much more cost effective. Um, it allows you to sell physical and digital products. Like, let's say you want to expand. I'm always talking about you know, exponential growth when it comes to companies like digital products, physical, have something for everybody, right? Sure. Um, And so it really gives you that opportunity to not only like you can consult with people, maybe somebody wants to consult with you on how to break into the acting field or start a podcast. It's really popular right now. Sure. Um, So you can have those paid consultations and then you can email them with the email system. You can sell physical products, mics, Ooh. Setups, gear, t-shirts okay. with my face on them, whatever yeah. you want to sell. <laughs> um, and do your website and your Amazing. landing pages where you funnel your marketing to. So it's a really great platform. We launched it six months ago and we have been shocked every day since that it's going so well. I love that. Well, that's a happy accident. Good. Right. Well, thanks to that jackass for inspiring. It's whatever. I'm giving him too much credit. Right. You, you guys, your brains <laughs> inspired that. That's great. Okay. So, well, folks, we hope you enjoyed your apps. We're going to move on to the entrees after a quick break when we'll get into the thing that I buried the lead about. Okay. <laughs> It was so perfect that I was coming here today because one of our craziest clients like tried to be like, you need to refund me money from two years ago. No, they can't. They can't do that, but they try. Always try. Oh, it's we're going to get into that. Okay, wait, I'm going to make a note. <laughs> Two-year-old refund. <laughs> I tried to return fucking jeans that I bought 10 days ago and they were like, the 10-day window has closed. Right? When, when did that start? I thought you oh, could return shit. Oh, they do online, like say we're fraud. I'll, I record all of our Zoom meetings and we'll have clients that'll be like, I love my website. It's beautiful. I'm so excited. And then a week later, they'll claim what they paid us is fraud on their banking account. Wait, the, fuck off. And the funds get revoked and then you have to go through this like, that's why I record everything. Fuck off. Yeah. So then you have to spend time proving that they actually like spent that money with you? they liked it and they were all about it and everything was fine, but they just want to get that, you know, three four five thousand dollars back jen that's disgusting yeah it's horrible wait so what do you do you win have you lost any of those cases i've lost them yeah how do you lose that banks always side with the but with they, the they you, you have proof uh-huh. and sometimes so, if you submit the proof the bank's like oh yeah fuck that person like here's your money but sometimes they'll be like nope it's not enough i 
that would make me want to stop doing my own business. Yeah. Like that is, it's a lot. I've heard stories like that before, but I was like, no way that people would do that. I, uh, uh, to <laughs> people, people. Are horrible just, uh, yes. <laughs> How does that make you not want to shut your whole business down? Oh, well, cause there's too many good. Clients. Yeah. There's too many good clients. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay. We're going to get into it. Here we go. Here we go. Okay. Well, now we're back. <laughs> And it's time for the entrees. Okay. So this is where we get into the awesomeness. Okay. What was your first job ever, Jen? I was a carny. What? <laughs> Shock. <laughs> Silence. Um, is that the five generational fam- familial job that I did not specify earlier? Okay. I am fifth generation both sides of my family to own traveling carnivals. What does that mean? That we own county fairs. So does that mean you own the Ferris wheel and the uh-huh. funnel cake stand and the yeah. fucking carousel? For the most part, we own the rides and the route. So the business kind of rules. The person that owns the rides usually is the one that negotiates the route, which is where the carnivals go, whether it's a strip mall or a fair or wherever they're going and driving along the route that eventually brings them back home. So it's like a 10-month circle who make where we would start in Arizona, which is a lot of carnivals are winter quartered in Arizona. And we would start north, obviously going with the heat. Um, And so we'd start in the south, go north, and then we'd stop in small towns in Utah, small towns in Arizona and travel north until we got to the big fairs like the Clark County Fair in Nevada, Western Montana Fair, Idaho Fair, Northern Idaho State Fair. Um, And those big places where you made most of your money were those big county fairs. But in between that time, in order to pay for your gas to get further and further north to those big fairs, you work 10 months out of the year. So you would travel. So I would go to school, and then in the summer, I would go out on the carnivals and work with my family. And we owned the rides. And usually the games were owned by an independent contractor and the uh, food as well. So it was three owners of one carnival, my father and friends of his, and I would work the games. I was a, I was a barker. What does that mean? It means you call people into the games like, (laughs) come on in. (laughs) Give me an example of something you would say. I have to know. Besides come on in. That's really it. Come on in. (laughs) Come one, come all. Like, oh my gosh, it'll come to me all through this interview. Okay, great. I'll start saying them. Just start yelling them out. (laughs) Okay, so I, I want to go back. So because it was 10 months out of the year, but you mm-hmm. only joined them for the summer, uh-huh. were you in the house by yourself? If every if this was a family No, my business? mother would stay with me. Okay, so your dad would go out on my the road. My dad and my mother, I, the other, it always sounds so weird when I stand out loud, but my we had a ranch in Idaho. Amazing. <laughs> and my mother was, I, for lack of a better term, a professional cowgirl. She was, she rode cutting horses and she was six in the world in 94, riding professional cutting horses please elaborate on what cutting horses are because people that don't know what that is that's (laughs) fucking crazy so she would it's competition it's not rodeo so it's not you know it's not in the rodeo it's a separate competition where you go and you take your horse and you there's a herd of cattle and you cut one cow away from the herd and then your horse yep just one and then your horse jumps back and forth in front of the herd of the cattle keeping that one cow Away. Away from the herd. So bonkers. (laughs) Because you have to be up on your feet the whole time because you're jumping with the horse. Yeah, you have to really know how to sit in a saddle. and It's bonkers. You have to let the horse do all the work. So the horses are very trained, but you have to stay on. Yes. I mean, they're not bucking. It's not, like you said, it's not the rodeo. But they're still jumping. But it's similar. Yeah. 
Oh, and they do that in the ring, right? Because you can uh-huh. see a, you as a spectator up in the stands. You're also able to watch those like uh-huh. their, their competitions because it's like she. So for in order for her to be sixth in the world, that means she was competing with the world. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. So was she, but she wasn't on the road? Not very often. No, they okay. would come to compete there. Sometimes it would be in Nevada, sometimes California here or Texas. Those were kind of the big areas where she was in. Um, I had neighbors that I grew up with, so I have a very small family. I'm an only child. My parents are only children. I didn't their know you were an only parents, child. Yeah, their parents are only children. I don't have cousins. Like Aww. I don't. They, we're just just the three of us. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, I was the first one to have multiple children. You're so generous too. No offense, only children, but like you don't have that vibe at all. Really? Not at all. I feel like I totally do. No, you're so generous. That's not. No offense, only children. Uh, but I feel like I have to have all these fucking asterisks. That's so crazy. So, so it was just it, it was easy for them then to have uh-huh. traveling jobs. Yeah. So the neighbors, uh, the Bilbao family. There's a large Basque population up in Boise, Idaho. Um, shout out to them. They're amazing. Uh, but is. Uh, uh, Liz and Fermin Bilbao were our neighbors and they were like surrogate parents to me and would take me whenever my parents were traveling and their children, Isabel and Martin, were like a brother and sister to me. So whenever See, so they you're took you're kind up, of an only child, but yeah. not really. <laughs> and then they had a huge family. So it was like, oh, I'm going to be part of this. They're so cool. And you also learned how to share and shit. Yeah. Like, okay. <laughs> so when you say you would work the games, that would only be during the summer months uh, during mm-hmm. school years. Yeah. So then what about in college? Did you guys still have the carnival at that time? We did. Uh, we ended up selling it when I was about 25. 25. Okay. Yeah. It just gas was getting too high. Profit margins were getting lower. And I don't think at the time my father had 100% faith in me as a woman being able to run a carnival. Um, you don't think he did or he did have that? I don't think he did. Okay. Yeah. Because why do you think that was? Well, he told me. But... <laughs> You know, you might hear this. <laughs> we love you, Dad. That's okay. I love him. But at That's that time, it is exactly, it's just not a woman's world. It's gritty. You know, um, keeping the carnival clean is hard. Yep. There's been numerous times where I've seen my father ram some guy's head into a side of a truck because he's hitting on underage girls or doing something that my father would not deem appropriate on the carnival. So it is a hard gig. Okay, when you say, I, I just want to get clear, when you say cleaning the carnival, you don't mean like uh, fucking Scrubbing fabuloso it. on the floor. <laughs> no. You mean like making sure that... Making sure that we had church call every morning. Uh, so if it was like, if we opened at noon, we'd have an 11 a.m. church call where Reed would go out and stand in front of everybody on the carnival and Who's say, Reed, hey, your dad? Reed's my dad. Okay, yeah. got it. Um, that's why it's Jennifer Reed Williams. <laughs> Figure that um, And it, and he would tell them what's up. If somebody started a fight the night before, if they were drunk at the local bar, if they were mouthing off to women, if they were hitting on women, if they were doing anything inappropriate, drugs, we drug tested all the time, if they made us look bad in in the town because we were dirty carnies. They didn't want us in town sometimes. So we had to walk a really, really good line. Um, Then he would either throw them out on the spot if they refused to leave, he'd forcibly remove them with the other guys on the crew. Yeah, there was it, it. They kept it clean. And the guys that worked on that carnival, like to this day, they're just the greatest men and women ever. Um, but sometimes we'd pick up horrible people. We'd have to 
knock them around a little bit. <laughs> okay. So I have 6,000 questions I'm trying to distill it. Okay. So, so was that common amongst like the carny community that like keeping a carnival clean was a big deal? It's a huge deal, especially with insurance companies. Okay. Why? Because we could lose everything. Okay. Meaning that if there were some underage interaction or if a ride fell apart or and is the it- person was drinking or on drugs, it comes back on us as a company oh. and our insurance would be like, okay, well, we're going to drug test them. Let's say if the zipper fell over you know, sure. and killed a bunch of kids. Like, Ooh, I see. I didn't realize it was that serious. I would always be like, we'd go to carnivals serious. in my town and be like, eh, I'm probably going to die on this ride. Who cares? Like, cause no. our brains weren't formed, but I did not know we have that twice we- a day inspections from inspectors wow. locally in the communities. Wow. So same people that would come in and inspect restaurants. There's people that inspect large machinery and wow. they come in and inspect twice a day. Wow. Yeah. That actually, that makes me feel more confident in going to the fair. <laughs> so when you say that you had the route like south to north or north to south, sort of depending mm-hmm. on the weather, did you already have contracts with all the places you would stop? Yeah. And okay, so were those established years in advance? Yeah, we had years and years of the same contract coming down from my great grandfather, my Bless. as far back as, because we had freak shows as well originally we'll get into that i'm sure i'm making a note flip the page on the note (laughs) yep (laughs) running out of space um so my grandfather's negotiated contracts that were 20 30 year contracts um and then we would ride those out Uh, and then my father would spend the off season going to like um iapa or outdoor amusement business association is another one they do, you know them more so for like Disneyland rides, like OABA, like has conferences. But what you don't know is like men like my father go and fair boards go and they negotiate and be like, hey, let me, if they're in Vegas, hey, let me take you to, you know, the titty bar to negotiate a contract for the fair. Like because Your dad would do that or yeah. they would do that for him. Yeah. He would do that. He would do that to them because he wanted that fair. So, um, you know, take him the- to see Wayne Newton. We had to see saw Wayne Newton so many times. <laughs> you met matt in vegas like you were well versed or the excalibur show oh god that show's so bad siegfried and roy oh bless where the tigers are eating their faces it's a lot it's a lot okay so it's not common to think of 30-year contracts now like that's sort of blowing my mind Mm because i think like we barely do i I can only commit to like six months of something so so your your grandfather was was had sussed out like 30-year contracts for these routes now at any point if something were to have happened could those people on the routes be like fuck your 30-year contract we're breaking this absolutely but there's not a lot of carnivals coming in to fight with my father for his route everybody was pretty respectful and being their routes because we would take certain states going up so if we were going from arizona up to idaho montana there's another there's shows that just run california like ray kamek shows out here these big fairs those big carnivals like both of our carnivals would come together and not be the size of Ray Kamek shows that you see at San Diego Fair, things like that. Oh. So there's fair, there's carnivals where that amount of product that he has to move from San Diego to LA, he runs month long contracts. Los Angeles Canter Fair is a month long. So sure. He, uh, it's just different carnivals. So there's Ray Kamek runs California, Washington, Oregon, different shows. West Coast has their totally, or East Coast has completely different shows. Okay. We don't even know half of them out there, but everybody kind of runs their own up and down. Okay. Different routes. And sometimes you get some rogue jerk that tried to play a spot two weeks before you and take the money from the town. 
some of these towns, that's all the fun that they get, right? And then we're not talking rich towns. If you have seven kids in a small town in Utah, if, if a show hit before us, then they would take all the money, right? So people would try to do that on occasion. Reed would take care of it. We don't talk about how he would take care of it because we don't know how he would take care don't of know. it. Don't <laughs> know. My friends in uh, school back in Nampa, they used to always say, your dad's in the mob because he wears this gold chain. He has his whole life. They're like, he's in the mob. Like 100% he's in the mob. And you're like, please don't ask he's questions. just that guy. <laughs> we don't ask him certain things. You just let some stuff go. That's how yeah, that works. Just that person never showed up the next year, two weeks before us. So... <laughs> Hold on, I wanna. I'm. I have. Uh, I'm. This is so exciting that you're sharing. So honestly, okay. So, so the the courses are run in a very particular way. You mean the carnivals? Carnivals, not sorry, courses, not courses. See, I'm not I'm mixing, even related. Not I have like related the weirdest background that was yep. like mm-hmm. no education for mixing- carnies. <laughs> we always joke when we go to the fair. We call it the Carney College Fund because every person that I grew up with on the fair or on the carnival. Um, they're lawyers, doctors, shut up, counselors. All of us have like super professional degrees. Our parents put away money and made sure we all went to college. And so, was it profitable? Oh yeah. Okay. So why? How? Because you own? Did you, did you guys own everything outright, or were you renting the? the oh no, we own the rights. Just like you'd own a car. Okay. So you would. So every ticket sold or every dollar spent or whatever was obviously minus maintenance and labor was mm-hmm. basically profit. Yeah. Okay. So how long did it take for your family to own those? Right. Cause I was assuming it, since you're, this is five generations deep. Were these the same rides from five generations ago? No, but some of them are 20 years old. Ooh. Yeah. Or you take a loan out on them just like you would a house. Like, you know, the zipper may cost $140,000. They weren't super expensive. Like now I could imagine they'd be half a million, million dollars, Jesus Christ. but you know, like a kitty ride, like a, Jeep jump is what they would call the ones that just go around with the little Jeeps and the kids in it. Maybe $25,000. So a lot of them we did have for, from the sixties, from the seventies that stuck around. We repainted, maintained them, upgraded them as needed. You personally would repaint. Well, we had a guy, (laughs) you know, I've never lengthily talked about like the history. Uh, Well, we're getting into it. We had a guy, his name was the wizard. He was so the sorry. go-to carnival guy. He painted all the rides. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna send you pictures of the Please stuff do. the wizard would paint. But he, you know, if we had like the the fun house that was all decked out rock and roll, we owned the fun house from Greece. Amazing. Like our family literally had a plaque in there, the fun house from Greece, straight up Greece the country. No, oh, no Greece. Greece the oh my movie. god, the fun house from the movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. That was ours. Yeah. <laughs> That's so fucking cool. <laughs> yeah. So. That, like, he would paint it if we wanted it to be rock and roll one year, or obviously we couldn't do Disney because, like, uh, copyright and uh, things like that. But if he wanted, I think it had Aerosmith on it, and then you just blare the music, you know? So it was like the rock and roll one year, or five, six years. But he <laughs> he was a airbrush painter, and they called him the wizard, and he was the go-to guy for carnivals. Was he actually good, or was it like a... like a? Oh, no, he was amazing. Oh, that's like, awesome. But in that retro, like, dirty brown... Yeah. Painting Aerosmith with airbrush. Kind of like uh, Sailor Jerry is to tattoos. The wizard was to carnival. That's so <laughs> fucking cool. And you guys had an in with the wizard? Yeah. So that's would, every Because when we'd come back down every year, all those three months that we spent in winter quarters is what it's called, down in Arizona, um, he would come out, repaint, touch up. And then all of our guys that worked full time for us, they would be 
touching up paint, checking engines, running maintenance. So for three months, we would get ready to go out again, checking trucks, tires. And it took three months to do that. Yeah. that's crazy and so because of like child labor laws and stuff i'm using air quotes because it was a family business were you working before you were 16 oh yeah i was working at like six so how is that allowed Uh, no one cares we're carnies (laughs) (laughs) who's gonna say anything (laughs) ma'am how old are you (laughs) the inspector like i'm the owner's kid get off my lot (laughs) get out of here here. i'm just eating funnel cakes leave me alone okay so you were six years old for your first job okay (laughs) so uh so i want to go back so so maintenance of this route maintenance of all of the you know rides and everything how many rides did you own total as a family uh I think there were 38 total, but divided amongst two shows. So we had two different carnivals that would go on two different routes and then they would come together at the bigger fairs. So we'd have a bigger carnival. So there were two shows. It was two, both sides of my family. My mother owned a carnival and my father owned a carnival. My father's side uh, and my side that I inherited when I was 13 was Inland Empire shows and my mother's was Royal West Amusements. Wait, did you, did they meet at a carnival, your parents? They grew up together. Shut up. Yeah. My grandfathers were in the same freak show together. Okay. Well, now we, it's gonna, I'm jumping ahead, but I, I got it. How go. far back are we going? Oh, we're going. Do we need more wine? Yeah. This? Yes. Uh, hold on. <laughs> what job isn't customer service? <laughs> this is my point. This is my whole thing. I, I say this about taking everybody. my kids to school. Customer, customer service. service. <laughs> kids are customers and they're kind of dicks. <laughs> my husband, daily basis, customer service. Making him dinner. <laughs> right. These men service. are ridiculous. Okay. Um, okay, 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 okay. Okay, we're going back. Your your grandparents were in the same freak show together? Yeah, so my m- mother's father, Ray, Barber, he was Shamu, the boy with the iron tongue. It's going to get real weird real fast here. I'm just going to shut up. I'm just going to shut up. Um, and when he was younger, he fell and fell on a nail and it went through the bottom of his chin and up through his tongue. And his father, seizing opportunity, because <laughs> that's what we are. Carnies. Carnies at art. Um, he put a nut in it. So he left the hole open and my grandfather would take out the nut before a show and he would hook a car that was obviously pulled by magnets, not his tongue. But and he would pull, and he would always tell us the joke. He'd go up to the prettiest girl in the audience and put the put the hook through his tongue and pull the car. And then he also wrestled alligators. And the most common story Ray would tell us was about two weeks before they were done with their circuit, their route, uh, the alligator died, and. Instead of getting a new alligator, he would just wipe the slime off every morning. Oh, my God. And pretend to wrestle the alligator oh for the show. God. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> that's, that's so fucking gross. Okay, great. Um, <laughs> Sorry. It's just Nope, nope. Keep and, going. And uh, my mother was a barker. She would beat the drum for uh, the fat lady Aww. and various other in front of the tent shows that she could. My un- Her uncle, she calls uncle, I don't know if it's a direct relative, um, he bred Barnum's elephants a long time uh, ago and bred the only white albino elephant in captivity, and they had elephants and horses on the show. Now, when were, you say Barnum's elephants, you mean Barnum and Bailey Circus, right? Mm-hmm, that yeah. went on to yeah. massive fame. Yeah. And then we also had them on our side as well. She always tells the story of a horse that fell, a pony that fell in love with the elephant. And every time the pony would go out to perform, the elephant would cry 
until it came back. And so they were lifelong buddies, the the pony and the elephant. And my other grandfather, he was half man, half woman. Is it meaning truly a hermaphrodite? Like truly that was real? Or he no, just dressed No, he up? just dressed as half man, half woman. Oh, okay, okay. So it, because he's very tall and skinny. Uh, so okay. he would do it. Would he literally? Because I think uh, it people was don't half have a visual. Half, yeah. Okay. So the visual is like literally a, a line down the center of one's body. Mm-hmm. And then like one half wears a high heel and the other half wears a boot. Yep. And like, so it's not, it's not what people think. It's a, <laughs> yeah. it's just a visual. It's yeah, a play. And exactly. like half mustache, half lipstick yep. kind of thing. Okay. That's very interesting. Yeah. So that was the quote unquote freak show. Yep. But that's how you're. There were other things in the freak show too. Um, various people. We have whole magazines and photos of all of them everything you do? from yeah everything from the pickle people wait which, what's pickle people where you'd carry around the jars of like two-headed cattle or, oh you know oh it's so specific like cyclops cows or fucks a cyclops cow just one eye just one eye yeah oh, okay like there's you know they call them pickle people i did not know that yeah i did not know that was a thing <laughs> just any oddity they just <laughs> had out it there yeah animal and you know on in Venice how there used to be that like the the freak those show. Those are hardcore freak shows. Like okay, those what are is that? Dark. Yeah, they are right. Yeah, they're it's just like, modern. Lots of tattoos. Lots of uh, more modern, scarier stuff. Yeah, there's like you a satanic to, element. I mean, in the fifties, you didn't really have to be that scary. Like the carnival in town was scary enough. Sure. And then we. That's kind of how they started. Some they would have rides back then. They were called Flying Jennies, which is how I got my name. Shut the carnival. up. Yeah, the carnival would carousels merry-go-rounds um they didn't have platforms originally so the horses just hung there and essentially swung swing yeah so they'd swing out Ooh. Yeah. oh so. you really went for it on the carousel in the 50s <laughs> right? you could have died yeah <laughs> okay so it, um you know that's kind of how they started with those original rides and then moved on from there okay <laughs> One question of a thousand. I'm trying to narrow it down. When you say that the kid that had the hole in his tongue was pulling the car with magnets, uh-huh. how? How did the ma- where were the magnets behind him? Oh, Large magnets behind him. That's such a good magic yeah. trick, right? <laughs> Interesting. It was more so the show they would put on that people would just be like, "Ooh," like kind of how you were, <laughs> where it's like the car is a secondary to the fact that the this tongue. kid just put. Something through. Now it's a common. I mean, we live in Hollywood, right? Sure. So like every day somebody puts something through their tongue. <laughs> yeah. The dude I wanted to date. But back then it was like, oh my goodness. Or the person with all the tattoos. If a woman sure. had tattoos back then, she was an oddity. That's right. We would take in anybody that had any physical abnormalities and give them jobs. Oh, wow. So well, that's actually kind the of. Carnivals um, were a lot of places where people would come to work that had. No other option. No other option back then. So that's why these places became freak shows and it wasn't ever like we didn't force people to work or anything like these are sometimes were their only option which is such an interesting i mean like i think now because of the culture the way it is the word freak carries such a weight and it would seem as if it were being judgmental but it's like Mm -hmm. actually providing providing an opportunity to work is like you don't want people to laugh at them but then also if they're not i don't know that's a i would feel conflicted about that because it's like well you are providing work yeah which means they get to eat that day and their families potentially get to eat that day and like ugh, that's tough and we have randy like uh there's a gentleman named randy who i grew up with he was my grandmother's water boy the fuck's a water boy well when you lived in the rv's a long time ago in the 40s 50s 60s you didn't have running 
water, plumbing. So there were water buckets and Randy was, or Richard, I'm sorry, not, not Randy, Randy, someone else, Richard, he was my grandmother's water boy. He would help her and his, you know, family left him with us um, because he was slower or Wow. I don't know the technical term for that. You might want to edit it out. No, no, like, <laughs> uh, we'll come up with a word um, that he was, he was just learning disabled. But he was learning disabled. Yeah. But the sweetest man. And, and so, to this day, my father takes care of Randy. I will die. Richard. Oh Richard. my gosh. What is wrong with me? Randy's <laughs> the other guy. There's, a, there's another story about Randy, but no, Richard. Well, Richard tell us the sweet, sweet old man. Tell us the Randy story. Um, well, Randy ran the company's, uh, manage the shows for my father so we had a manager on each show and randy and joanne were like another set of surrogate parents and on the other show we had you know debbie and jim parks and oh yeah. they had kids and we were all like the same age and see this is why you don't have the only child vibe because you really truly weren't there I mean, were a lot of kids yeah, yeah you were learning how to share and be around a lot of that okay, okay so at what point because i could spend six hours talking about the carnival at what point did you ever get to a point, a place where you were like, I'm fucking too cool for this. I'm sick of this. I don't, cause it's a lot of fucking work. And like yeah. when you're just a kid, you're just trying to be a kid. So was there a point when you were like, I'm super over this? No, never. No. no. When I would go out on the road, I'd get my take of what I'd bring in for the, Oh, you got to make money. Yeah. I made a lot of money. Oh shit. Like I bought my own cars when I was in high school, like financed my own clothes. Like, God damn. I was always the girl that, was partying during the school year where <laughs> you could come to my house because my parents were gone when I was in high school. <laughs> or I, you know, had all the great things because I was able to work and get that real money and have that opportunity to have cash in hand all the time. So I never didn't want to not be there. Sure. It was amazing. I'd still do it if my kids, if I owned, a, like we'd be there every summer. <laughs> So why did your family sell, like, why not continue to do it? It, it was getting harder, you know, gas prices, especially, especially now, I can't yeah. imagine. And after COVID, when they were all shut down, you know, it, it did end up working out for the best. But having that faith that I wanted to stay home and start a family, I don't think my family wanted that for me because it was hard, you know, yeah. not to say that I'm absolutely normal. but <laughs> <laughs> Who is though? Who is? Um, but at 25, I, it was, it was a heavy... You know, I did sign the paperwork, so there sure. was something at me at 25 that was like, okay, it's time. You you were one of the people that had to sign to say that you were selling yeah. it. because I were inherited it when I was 13. It was a generation skipping trust. Interesting. So what I does that mean? Too. It's a tax evasion thing. Oh, oh okay. Well, we won't forget that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to pull at that thread. Um, Remember, we don't talk about the things. That's right. That's <laughs> the right. Things. This is the things we don't talk about in the mafia. Um, uh, no, so it was a generation skipping trust, and I did have to sign the paperwork, and I did. And sometimes I think, ugh. I screwed up and sometimes I'm I love being home with my kids so sure. did you feel any kind of way because I know that like a lot of animal rights activists especially with Barnum and Bailey like having animals in captivity and uh, you it sounds like you guys personally didn't yeah. have animals in captivity other than that no, the did. dead alligator oh so the, the yeah, albino elephants was and elephants horses I don't as, feel as, way as about, like but. the 60s that faded out pretty fast so we were just carnivals we were just hard machinery at that point but I get why they did it. Okay. Why Barnum and Bailey let them go. Um, but it was still sad to see it happen. Yeah. Because of where you know it came from. Not to say that was right and to start out with. But, you know, it's like that thing, like, yes, I'm still sad about it because it is 
my life, you know, uh, that chaos is my life and that it was sad to see them put them away, but it was the right decision. So despite what I feel about it, it, it's still the right decision. So when you sold, cause you said that sort of faded out in the sixties, did you still have elephants when you at 25 sold? No, you no, did no. not. Okay. So we didn't have the freak shows past the sixties. I would say I'd have oh, to double shit. check with my mom. Yeah. You were, straight we're up talking like forties, thirties, twenties. Okay. Like, you know, straight up great depression. Yeah. Okay. When you people know, were just desperate. When mach- to- machinery didn't exist. Okay. Okay. So, so then what, when you ended up selling the carnival, you were, do you remember all the ga- rides and stuff that you sold? Was mm-hmm. it like a Ferris wheel and yeah. all of that stuff? We had two Ferris wheels. Oh shit. Uh, we had 12 kitty rides, which are like the Jeep jumps and the, you know, the little dinosaur, like yeah. the spinning strawberry, things like that. Uh-huh. Kids ride. We had a bumper car. We had a zipper. We had a hurricane. You, you've said zipper a couple times. What is a zipper? The zipper is the one that has it's, like, it's an oval. Oh, I fucking hate that ride. And it's not the cards. No, that's a, that's a nightmare. No, I hate that fucking ride. It like goes up and then it goes around while it goes. Yeah. Um, We had the hurricane, which was the two arms that go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we had the super sizzler, the one that like spins with the three. Spins with the three. You've seen it in, uh. What's the baseball movie? You're killing me, Smalls. Oh, uh, fucking Goonies. Vomit. No, no, not Goonies. Not Goonies. Um, I'm not good at this game. You're killing me, Smalls. Isn't that Goonies? No, no. it's the baseball one with the Sandlot. Sandlot, where Sandlot. they vomit on that ride. That's a Sizzler. I've never seen the Sandlot. So y'all had we had y'all like had the fun inventory. houses, House of Mirrors. We oh, had okay. this. I think it was called Spider. Now, did you think at all? Because when I was in Stockholm, <laughs> you guys, I'm very fancy. I travel a lot. Uh, <laughs> when I was in Stockholm, they had a standing, what we would consider kind of a theme park. fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it was, they called it a theme park, but it was essentially, it was like a fair. Yeah. But it was, a, it was, a, it was a stationary option, but it had those kinds of carnival rides. Did you consider maybe creating some sort of stationary thing with all of the inventory you had? Yeah, we did. Oh, okay. Uh, we had two theme parks that we owned throughout my mother's life and my father's life shit we had uh we owned the boise depot which was in boise idaho there used to be a theme park in the park by the zoo what was it called julia davis park is what it was called and so we owned that and that was we had the tilt-a-whirl and you know the carousel there and then eventually that went under we put those we absorbed those rides into the traveling carnival and we also owned playland pier in the 70s shit in coeur idaho and then it burnt down. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. Arson? Yeah. Shut up! The city. Wait, they, they did it? Coeur don't quote me on that. <laughs> you know you did it. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Wait, are you serious? Yeah. What? Yeah. Did they, was there an investigation? It was the 70s and we are carnies. No, There's so never an investigation. Never an investigation. <laughs> They're like, y'all have tax evade. We're going to do whatever the <laughs> right. fuck we want. Why do you think they burned it down? They wanted the pier. Fuck off, Jen. <laughs> this is real life? Yeah, now, get this. My grandfather's carousel is sitting in a little museum they have there of the Playland Pier Museum. That they fucking are profiting off sent, of? That we they sent stuff to. Why did you... Now, why, that's an act of good faith. Because why would where, you... Where am I going to keep it? Like, Fair enough. Um, Fair but enough. yeah, his carousel is sitting there. Have you ever gone back to see it? No. Yeah. Why would I do that? Painful, huh? Yeah. Uh, that's tough. Okay. But so, yeah, they burned it down, and then they called us and wanted to 
erect a museum to the Playland Pier of the 70s. I would feel a real kind of way about that. It is kind of a way. Yeah. I Okay. (laughs) Don't bring it up to my mom. Okay. Got it. Okay. Uh, Sorry if you're listening. Wait. So I want to understand. So so you own all of those sort of stationary locations Mm -hmm. whilst also going on tour with the the various Mm -hmm. carnivals. So at what, so when you sold and had to sign the paperwork at 25, did you sell all of that as well? They were sold along the way. Oh, okay, Absorbed okay. along the way. Boise didn't want us to have the Julia Davis Fun Park there anymore. Why? We're carnies. They what is it? What? Why do people, do, 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 do small hands? What's the fucking thing? No, it, even when I was growing up, I wasn't allowed to tell people what my parents did. Why? Yeah, there's been times where I've been drug out of hotels when they found out why we were in town. If we were Jen! Yeah. I've Wait, been beat up by men. Jen. On the carnival. Yeah. It's not a, it's, it's rough. Like there's, there's the beautiful, amazing side of it. And then there's, you know, there's a reason that I don't mind getting hit in the face. <laughs> there's two sides to the story. Wait, why would it, why would anyone put hands on you in relation to a fucking carnival? Pedophiles hitting on <gasps> underage kids ooh, that ooh. came to the lot to think we were easy prey. Ooh, girl. Number of things. Oh, that got Number real. Number of things. That got real. <laughs> I'm about to vomit my mouth. Okay. All right. We like, get real. There's so many areas if you talk back to them. I mean, we're carnies. We're either there to suck their dick or sell drugs. And that's what they thought of us in the 80s and the 90s. And but the- even though there was this sort of code of ethics that your dad was enforcing. That he had. But these are the people from the local towns. Oh, and they don't have a code of ethics. They don't have a code of ethics. So y'all roll through town and they're like, we're about to show you what for. Yeah. <laughs> All the time. All the time. And they would roll up on you as like, what, a teenager? Yeah. And then put hands on you. Would you fight back? Oh, yeah. And then anybody on the lot would beat them to a pulp. Like They would. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't even a joke. Like Because they, because the carnival, the other carnies had your back. Oh, yeah. I I was Reed's daughter. Like, Reed would murder them if anything happened to me. Damn. It would be buried in a swamp in Montana. (laughs) Like, they wouldn't, it wouldn't be pretty, but. Sure. Yeah. Like there's, Girl. there are people out there, they don't want you. And even growing up, there were some kids who I'm, I'm absolutely friends with now and it wasn't there, but their parents would pull me aside and say, I don't want you hanging out with my kids. Why? Because of what your parents did for work. Parents did. That's we, such I was a carny kid. But they knew, did they not know that your dad had this like code of ethics and the call to church and all that, like church call, whatever yeah. it didn't matter. Uh, Idaho at that time when I grew up, it was very religious, mm. um, it probably still is. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure. not in that. I don't run, run in that crowd. But, um, <laughs> not in that world right now. <laughs> um, they, uh, yeah, it was my parents. My father would have to pay extra for me to go to daycare or childcare. Shut the fuck yeah. up. It was like, it, that's it was its rough. own form of discrimination. Oh, a hundred percent. hundred percent. If we were in hotels and they found out who we were, they would kick us out in the middle of the night. That's so fucked. Yeah. And you were a kid. Yeah. What would they say? Just like, go figure it out. Well, I, if it was just me and the other girls, we're like, we were teenagers and we were like, hey, I want to take a bath and like have a regular TV and watch some local, you know, nothing, TGIF, like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. And we're on the road. And my mom's like, okay, I'm going to get you a hotel at the nice hotel in town. Go do your thing. I trust you. They'd find out and I'd have to call my mom. Hey, pick us up. They kicked us out. That is so fucking bonkers. I like don't know what to do with that information. And that was me. Can you imagine what my parents and my grandparents went through? No. I mean, their horror stories are just insane. Do you know of any? Yes. Can you tell a couple? Probably not. Okay. <laughs> it's that bad. Uh, yeah. We have Jesus. Oh, here's one that I I only want to tell stuff that I know sure, sure, sure. for sure, yeah, um, sure. Because, you know, my parents. But we had a guy named Pops. 
And uh, he was an old African-American man, super kind. It's on the carnival. He's probably in his maybe six, 70s, 60s. Super nice guy. And he'd been with us for years. And we had, we were at the Northern Idaho Fair. And if you don't know about Northern Idaho in the 90s, it was skinheads. Yeah, Everybody was a Nazi. Very white. He was working the Gravitron, which is the ride where he sits in the middle and you spin around and it's like a spaceship. A bunch of skinheads went in and they stayed in. The local police department would not assist us. Fuck off. Considering that it was private property because we rented the land that we were on. It was up to us to take care of it. And now Pops had been in there for a while. We know it wasn't going well. They wouldn't open the door. And so my father had to go in through the floor with a baseball bat to get Pops out. Jesus Christ. Like... That's what we dealt with all the time. Jesus. Woo. So discrimination was huge. And to be a black carny, that was just, next. they level. just considered that next level. But to be a carny alone, there was multiple times where I'd just be walking on the fairgrounds and get punched in the face, knocked out cold because of who I was. Just because people don't like you. But they're fucking enjoying what you're offering. Yeah, yeah. their kids are. <laughs> like, I just, I didn't, it's just this whole world. I just didn't even like. People don't know exists. Yeah. How hard it is and how beautiful it is. Sure. sure. Right? With yeah. like the camaraderie and the family. Yeah. Of even the people that went up through that floor, not knowing what was in there to save that poor man. Well, did, was he, did he end up being okay? Oh yeah, he was fine. He was also struck by lightning the following year on top of the super slide. Fuck off. <laughs> that man wanted to live. Yeah. Jesus. My father paid for his uh, nursing home until, until he passed away just because he was such a good guy. But yeah, we were taking down the super slide. It was a storm. Was it super slide that thing with the potato the big, sacks? The, the, yeah, like, the potato sacks. Okay. Yeah. And he was on the top and we'd already undone the bottom half, which comes down and lays down flat. And... Lightning hit the ride, Shit. fried him. And uh, I watched two men, one of, one of whose name was Moose. I couldn't <laughs> tell you to this day. And if I, Moose, if you're listening, reach out, man. Because I watched him lift up that ride, which was easily a thousand pounds, and put that thing so they could get him down on one of those potato sacks. And he held it on his back. So Holy God. could get pops down the slide to the hospital why was it that he like why couldn't you guys go up the stairs to go get him off it because the top of the slide the way it's on the back of the truck there's a breaking point where they took off the slide and so the top of the, the slide was like you know it's like a 12 foot drop okay from the slide where they had unhooked it to the bottom of to the ground oh shit does that make sense yeah yeah, like, yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah. then they take that slide part and slide it underneath and then lower the hydraulics oh this is in order to be able to transport to it. transport it yeah oh, okay okay so cool. they had to climb up to the top like you know hand and foot over climbing to get to the top and get him and yeah moose held that thing up god bless him yeah wow saved his life saved, saved his life yeah, yeah. Wow. poor poor pops have you his family is less i couldn't even I, my father is in the early stages of dementia oh, and sorry, um, 
I, I need to ask him these things. Like, what yeah, was do. Pop's real name? Look through the books, which I have in my garage, and see if I can find his family. Like, yeah. You never think of those things until you're like, man. So you're at our I have age. Some stories yeah. about Pops. Yeah. <laughs> that his family would probably love to hear. Yeah. Well, maybe yeah. not the beat up one, but the, you know, just how he was dedicated. so resilient. Like, it didn't yeah. stop him, you know? Yeah, I would have quit. I would have quit that. To day. have, hey, I'll pay for you. You don't have to come out. You know, you can choose to not come to the Northern Idaho Fair. And he still did. didn't back away. Good for fucking him. Good. Because yeah. that's such a fuck you to those pieces of shit. Like, yeah. good. Yeah. Keep going there. Ugh. And did you, did he stay on until he was, you know? Yeah, until he couldn't. I, I think after his health started to decline after he was struck by Lainey. He wasn't directly struck. It struck the rig. That's enough, though. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm There's, not sure how lightning works, but I think that's... It's weird, though, that at amusement parks, like, there were a few... I remember stories of growing up at the amusement park and that was, like, you know, 45 minutes outside of my town or whatever that was stationary. There were lightning strikes there several times. Mm-hmm. It's just, I wonder if it's... I don't know. Maybe because... Yeah, things are so high, high metal, in the yeah. air. Yeah, that's a common... That's yeah. so bonkers. We had... I saw a guy get run over by a truck. He was so drunk. You actually saw it? Yeah. We were Did setting up... So you lay out the lot, right? And you're pulling in the trucks. And his name was Chuck. Chuck's still alive. Chuck, I know you're out there. Hmm. Chuck, Chuck was drunk, passed out, and a truck ran over him the next morning. Jesus Christ. Ran him over. Like, fully ran him over. On his belly. And Chuck was a... Not small he, man. He had a he had a belly. Yeah. Chuck, I don't know if you have one now, but man, he, did you have a belly? And the truck ran him over, and he stood up and was like, what's up? Let's... <laughs> My mom's like, we got to take you to the to hospital, hospital. <laughs> because <laughs> something crushed your organs, <laughs> right? like a that, truck, <laughs> like a semi, not like a Ford F-150. <laughs> now, when you say you use language where you said lay out the lot, does that mean mm-hmm. like, so you put all the rides sort of where they're about to be? Mm-hmm. Is that what that means? Okay. Yeah. So my father would go out and measure. So he would go the week before and he used a... You know, it's got a wheel on it, and you measure it, and then he'd spray paint. Like, oh, like the electricians put, and shit use. Yeah, the, put yeah. the Rocco plane here, put yeah. the zipper here, put this here. They always have a story about my grandpa Ray, my mother's father, and how he uh, he loved he loved his beer. Right, <laughs> so he would sit down in a chair, and Reed would be stressed out about like I got I can't figure out how they're gonna fit, and he would literally drink a beer, crush the can, and throw it, and be like. Put the zipper there. Just knew. Just knew. And every time he was it right. fit perfectly. Shut the fuck <laughs> up. That's so cool. So yeah, laying out the lot. Like they have to come up with the design of how people come in, come out, emergency exits, where the Did games you, are going to be. Would you ever feel like, like, could you ever tell something bad was about to happen? Because I feel like you would have some crazy intuition. Gangs? Did, yeah. That kind of shit. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. how, how As we got older, we had towers more so that would be manned by security, local security. Oh, literally a tower in the sky. A tower, yeah. Oh, shit. But absolutely, you could tell when people were starting to crowd up or things were starting to happen. And it was always something where Chuck, the dude who was run over by a truck, yeah. Moose, Reed, always had to be at the forefront of the action. <laughs> uh, we had another guy, Gary. If these guys started to assemble together where they were like, okay, now we got to do something... To this day, Reed carries a mini bat in his car. Shit. <laughs> then, you know, they would go in and break it up. It was their responsibility. It was their property. And that's how these individual towns, insurance, I'm sure, sure. something legal, separated themselves from what was going on on the carnival. So we would have to pay for security. We would often pay for off-duty cops, security offers to be on site. As time went on or as bigger things were happening, like the Boise River Festival, we would always pay off-duty cops to come and secure 
the area, but smaller towns would not give you security. Wait, like, so you'd be willing to pay for it and they just wouldn't offer it? Mm-hmm. Fuck off. Why? Because they didn't want to get involved. Oh, God. But, but, but you are involved. You've yeah. allowed this it's to be in town. your town. Yeah. But Ugh. they're like, oh, out of sight, out of mind. That's happens. so there gross. It's your responsibility. This um, is the shit that most people who are not from these parts of the country understand exists in yeah. such a real way. Yeah. Everyone who's like shocked by the insurrection, I'm like, you don't think that this shit's already going down in all these small all towns the all the time? Yeah. Like, it, ugh, it makes me fucking crazy. Okay. So anyway, so you, so, so you could tell when stuff was about to happen. Could you also tell, like, was there ever a moment when you're like, we need to skip whatever town we have this contract with because shit, it, we're being set up. Did you ever feel that way? No. No. No, it never went that deep. It was, it was small town gangs. Okay. It was so, never anything like on a larger scale. It was never anything that our guys couldn't take care of. Okay. Yeah. There's a lot of big guys on a carnival. Well, so that was the other thing I was going to ask. So because they didn't have uh like a financial stake so they didn't obviously own any of the rides or any of the food stands or whatever it was just for love of the game that they would like take up for y'all absolutely gary had he was our one of our i guess you'd call him engineers he fixed everything from the generator to the rides he was just super intelligent he had been with my father for 40 50 years oh so that's loyalty like you can't buy yeah these these guys are brothers they're not Mm. and you have to remember in the 70s montana idaho what sure. kind of jobs were there what was your, what were your options you know yeah these guys were talented some of them were coming out of war some had mental <sighs> issues that maybe some of them drank too much and, and sure. the only person that could control them was Your reed dad. or gary and chuck band together or you know these guys form these families of taking care of each other and and overcoming their demons and then gary owns apartment complexes all over montana now like the guy's I was just about to Wealthy ask that. As hell. Is like, he really? Yeah, like because he was paid so well to do what he did for my father, and you know, band of brothers. What, you can't. Yeah, yeah you what's can't. What's a good buy fight that? on yeah. a Friday night? Like, <laughs> come on, <laughs> let's do it. I mean, let's get into the shit. <laughs> like, let's, let's, let's have a good tussle. Yeah, like, <laughs> let's put hands on someone. It's a different generation. You <laughs> have to remember, I say that often, but <laughs> it's a different time. It's a different time. It's so, not like those going for the insurrection. These guys are like, oh, we're going to fight some, you know, lousy gang members in yeah. Boise, Idaho at 11 and o'clock at night on a Friday. Sure. Handle it. Go ahead. Let's do this. <laughs> let's have a good time. We'll win. <laughs> right? So let's go. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> okay. It's just, I, God, I could keep talking about this. So I just want to understand. So at, at, at let's see, you said, did they, why did I? This is going to be like a 40 episode No, podcast. it for sure is. Like this, I was looking at the time. I was like, what is it? This ain't one episode. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get so many fucking emails. Why didn't you ask about this? Blah, blah, blah. Be like, right, right. I forgot. All right, folks, that's going to do it for us here at Service from Hell with part one with Jennifer Reed Williams talking about all the ins and outs of one of the coolest jobs I have ever talked about in my life with someone. It, I could have talked to her for a lot longer. So we're so grateful she gave us the time that she did. And we will be back next week with more insane stories. So join us then. Thank you folks so much for listening. Good night. Good night.